Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am so excited and honored to be sitting here with Dr. Caroline Leaf. Now, Dr. Caroline Leaf, if you're not familiar with her, she is a neuroscientist. She is the author of multiple books, including Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. She is a mom to four adult children, and she was one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change with directed mind input, which is known as neuroplasticity. And I had the privilege of hearing Dr. Leaf speak last January live in Edmonton, and uh, she's such an excellent communicator. And one of my favorite lines that Dr. Leaf uses is that science is finally catching up with the Bible. So Dr. Leaf, I am incredibly honored to have you on the Ready to Thrive podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's wonderful to see you again and to, well, I can see you and hear you. So it's nice to be connected again. Well, thank you. Now, I want to dive right in. Your latest book is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Can you just share with me what the mental mess is? Absolutely. Well, this is my 19th book, and I'm really excited about this book because it's 38 years I've been in this field of mind-brain research. It's nearly four decades, and this is really a culmination of all the years of research and clinical practice and everything come together based on my latest clinical trials. And why I've done this and done it in the way where I've put science in with you know the scientific clinical trials and things like that in with practical how to get your mind under control is... And and the, the title, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, why I did it all like this is because if you're human and alive, you're, you're going to be experiencing a mental mess constantly. Our mind is always in action and we are experiencing life and we don't always respond like we could. And things hit us, blindside us, things happen, traumas from the past, acute traumas, things that just you know, out of the blue, people say things. Life is very challenging. And we, as a, if you're human and alive, as I said, mental mess is part and parcel of it. And so what I'm trying to do is help level the playing fields, take away the scariness around mental health that has happened and created such a terrible stigma and such a terrible fear in people that it's actually increased the mismanagement of mental health and try and make people realize that it's okay to experience anxiety and depression. It doesn't mean that you've got some scary neuropsychiatric brain disease and that you're going to be clinically ill for the rest of your life. And, you know, sort of like having a cancer diagnosis or something like that, but that if you're human, as I keep saying, you're going to be experiencing life. And probably the easiest way to understand the mental mess is that we can go three weeks without food. We can go three days without without water. We can go three minutes without oxygen. But we don't even go three seconds without using our mind. So our mind is always in action. We're always responding. We don't always respond in the best way. Adverse circumstances come and go. Traumas happen. And we are responding to all of those with our mind. Our mind is the source of everything. It never stops. So the whole underlying premise of my work 
which is really summarized in, in you know, really sort of encapsulated in, in my most recent book, is to show people that if we we do get in a mental mess, but we can learn to manage that. And if your mind is always working, you may as well learn how to manage it because whether you manage it or not, it's still going to be changing and your brain's still going to be changing. So you may as well learn to manage the mental mess that we inevitably will make. One of the things I love is that uh, you do such a great job of this in the book is just really normalizing some of our responses. So for example, um, earlier today, I was feeling excited to be able to uh, have this conversation with you and be on this podcast together. And so my heart starts beating a little bit faster. My palms start sweating. I'm I'm getting really kind of anxious. And so being able to say, yeah, this is actually a very normal response. It would be quite abnormal if I was like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And nothing was, nothing was getting me excited. And so being able to say, as you do so beautifully in the book, so many things that we go through are simply our body responding. They're just these normal responses. Um, yet we often try to... Um, stuff those things down or push them to the side? And is that really part of the reason we find ourselves in the mental mess? Absolutely. So there's two, two, three ways we can handle things. We either respond um, well, we respond incorrectly, or we suppress it. And um, so, and we all do that all the time. And that's what leads to mental messes. So what we need to do is recognize that and self-regulate and give ourselves a lot more grace to recognize, okay, I pushed it down. This is the signal I've responded well this is the signal i haven't responded so well this is the signal and it's all part of just surviving it's all part of coping it's all part of the beauty of being human we have to be able to embrace the messes along with all the the uh, the, the clean you know the cleanness so that's it's all part of the humanity of who we are and we've been very um very quick in the in the in the sort of medical world to medicalize misery and to make and to try and validate these feelings that we have that are very normal survival coping mechanisms or feelings or emotions, thoughts, etc. Um, because thoughts have emotions in them and medicalize them and or validate them with the disease label. But we don't have to see mind, you know, we've got to look at body and mind separately. And then we've got to look at the relationship in order to understand and unpack this whole thing. So it's completely normal for us to respond because we humans, we are going to respond and we are going to experience a whole wish, a mixture of emotions. And because our mind is separate from our brain, and we can dive into that in more detail in a moment, um, the mind moves through the brain, the brain responds to the mind. So therefore, if our mind's a mess, it does affect the functioning of the brain. And because the brain controls the body and the mind immediately affects the brain and the body, we're going to experience the response in our body. And every experience that we have, we process through our mind and we turn it into a thought. So everything we experience, from the time you open your eyes, you're experiencing life. And every single one of those experiences is turned into transformed by our mind into a physical memory that's stored in three places. And none of us really think about this because no one teaches, really teaches this. And it's very practical because you're the first thing, like, okay, let me take, let me make it really simple. Everyone's listening now. So they're hearing sound waves. They're getting auditory, there's auditory sound waves, which are quantum physics and classical physics, all the sciencey stuff, they're going into your, they, they're being received by your mind. Your mind is there, it receives this information and processes. So your mind thinks, feels, and chooses through the information and then pushes, pushes that through the brain as an energy field. 
And the brain responds on a chemical and electrical and electromagnetic and genetic level. And what that means is that all the words that I'm saying are being transformed by your mind into physical thought trees in your brain made of proteins. And that's the first place. The second place they are stored is in your, D, your DNA or your genes inside every cell of your body, as well as your brain. And the third place is they stored in these, um, these magnetic fields, these gravitational fields in your mind. So in simple language, as you're listening to me now, you are building what I'm saying into three places, physically in your brain, like a tree, in your body, in your DNA, and in your mind in gravitational fields. And I'll give you a lovely analogy of that in a moment. But that is why we experience everything in three places. So when you recall something or you think about something, like you said today, you were thinking about the anticipating the interview and that kind of thing, and you had a bodily response and you had a, an emotional response. So first of all, there's a memory of, of you've heard me speak before and you've read my books. And so that memory came up and then you're going to be interviewing. So there's that's all the current thought that's so you that's all the current thought that you were building in your brain in preparation for today. So you had built these trees in your brain. And because it's something that's maybe new or um, a little bit, you know, it's just it's just something different, it's new, uh, that you you because of the previous memory of, of because you had heard me before, you've read my books, I'm in your brain, I'm in your DNA, and I'm in your gravitational fields. So you pull that up and now you've got you're going to be interviewing me. So you're that as you pull that up, you've re-experienced all the physical sensations of what you've learned, plus the emotional stuff that's coming now with the anxiety of anticipation, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to experience it in your body and your brain and your and your mind. Someone who has a, let's say someone goes through a war trauma, they come out of, they've been involved in a war and they experience terrible things in war. We hear about PTSD. The, one of the things with PTSD is that they can, a sudden sound can just set them off and it brings back a memory. So they'll get a flashback. So the visual will come up and that's that visual is experienced from the, the, the experience in the mind. So the, the mind is activated, the gravitational field. So it, it, it increases intensity of the experience. It comes up from your body. So you feel it in your heart, adrenaline rush, heart palpitations, eyes flashing, flights and freeze and freeze, uh, uh, the freeze, the freeze response. And also the memory comes up of the detail plus the emotions. So the flashback in detail, the emotions in detail, the physical experience from the memory in your body, as well as then the whole experience collectively in your mind. And that's why it's such a strong thing. It's all these parts of us are, are responding. And that's why thoughts with all their memories are so powerful and why we need to learn to manage them. Because very often someone who's gone through a traumatic experience, that'll all come up, but it's very overwhelming and they don't know what to do with it. So they push it back down, but you can't just shove it down and, uh, and think it's going to go away because it's alive and dynamic. So we have to deal with those traumas. We have to embrace them process them and reconceptualize them. And that's pretty much what I'm teaching in this book with the, the concept of the neurocycle, which I talk about in the second part of the book, which is how you grab your mind and re and change your mind and change your brain and change the response in your body to be one of a, a, a reprocess one, a reconceptualized one that brings you mental peace and that you can actually then move forward with still with your story, but move forward in a way that it doesn't block you, but you can actually use it to progress forward. And that applies to whether it's trauma, toxic habits, um, in the moment stuff, day-to-day -day stuff. The neurocycle is pretty much how you get your, how you renew your mind, basically. Well, I love, there's so much that you shared there. I was taking some notes, trying to think of where we're going to go next. 
Um, I want you probably just to first share with people who aren't familiar with you just this idea of the thoughts as trees. And can you just share the difference between a healthy thought and a toxic thought? Absolutely. So if you think of a forest and just think of the analogy of the for of a forest and just think of flying in a helicopter over a forest, but this forest just goes on and on and on and on and on forever. It's just like filled with trees. And now while you have that visual in your mind, think of a, in the middle of this forest, there's this really dark area where the trees are exquisite. They're just perfect and beautiful. And there's just water running through that, just like this exquisite scene. And then around that's also beautiful forests, but in between there's like dark trees, big trees, small trees, dark green, light green. But in between that there's patches of black trees that are very much alive, like the living dead kind of thing in something like Game of Thrones or whatever in um, uh, the Lord of the Rings. I'm just trying to think of analogies that people could relate to. So it's, it's, it's actually they're living, but they look scary and thorn trees and whatever and you know like scary kind of looking trees and so what that whole forest represents is everything that's inside of your mind so your mind is not your brain so your mind is this force outside basically outside and embracing your brain it's an energy field that is basically spiritual and uh, we can use things like quantum physics and classical physics, electromagnetics and, and neurophysiology and neurobiology and that kind of thing to understand this force. And so this forest I've just described is this incredible energetic force that we that we have that is from God. I mean, it's life. It's the Job 32.8, the spirit of life, whatever. And it's that central part that is connected to God who is wisdom um, and godness. I, I like to talk about godness so we don't try and bring something that's so vast into our small vocabulary that we keep the vastness of the love of uh, love of God big where it should be. So, but that's where that's our connection to 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 wisdom. And as humans, we are wired for survival. We are um, we have this optimism bias, and that's our core inner wisdom. And in spiritual sense, it's being made in God's image. So think of you being made in God's image. It's a central forest, and that's the spiritual force. And now the spiritual force needs to express itself through something physical. So we have our actual physical body, and our physical body has um, obviously the brain and then all the different parts of the body. So the the inside the brain, this forest, the brain is where we are able to transform the mind forest into a physical forest that looks also looks like trees. So in our brain, we have neurons and neurons grow little branches called dendrites and they look like trees and the neurons have little roots and they have branches on top. So it's very much like the tree analogy. So we actually talk in neuroscience about the, the thoughts in the brain being like uh, having an arbor-like structure, tree-like structure. So you've got this forest of the mind, which is kind of all gravitational fields, but in this foresty form that I've described, and it's translated into the brain as physical trees made of protein. So the, if you imagine a big tree, again, just imagine a tree, the forest again, those little branches are made of protein in your brain and you've got they're obviously tiny and because we have trillions of them in our brain and every and what do those trees hold those hold your experiences so each experience is made up of lots of components and those components would be your memories so each thought is an experience or a concept and it's made up of all your all the components of that which are your memories so thoughts are made of memories in the same way that trees are made of branches and roots so a thought is going to have 
have the root memories, which is the origin story where it happened, what was the original cause. And then it's going to have the branch memories, which is how the cause translates into what then eventually becomes your thought, your, your words and your actions. So the thought, the entire thought from the roots to the tree, the, the tree trunk to the branches produces what you say and what you do. That is the source of what you say and what you do. So everything you say and do with all of its emotions and things attached to it is coming from a thought which has at the branches level is the behaviors and the emotions which are grown from the tree trunk, which is your perspective, which is coming from the origin. So to understand that, think of someone who was maybe sexually abused and they, as a young child, so the seed would have been sown of the sexual abuse, which would have immediately laid all these terrible roots, toxic roots of the experience, which would then have produced a perspective of I'm not safe, I am shame, guilt, whatever. And that would have produced branches, which are the basically the 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 root, the, the, which lead to the behaviors and the emotions of that person. So that person may become um, withdrawn or aggressive or frightened or whatever, a whole bunch of different stuff which affects how they do school, how they do relationships, how they do friendships, how they, and it's very pervasive. And then that, because it's toxic and, and that tree was initially formed in response to the experience, because as you have an experience, it sows the seed, grows the roots, grows the tree trunk, grows the branches, and that produces signals, which is what how it's which are emotional and physical responses. So the anxiety, the wet palms, that kind of thing. And what we need to do is we need to be able to tune into the signals to be able to find the branches, to find the tree trunk, to find the roots. And then we can redesign that, we can reconceptualize that. And it's a process of embracing and processing and reconceptualizing. And that's what you do through the neurocycle. So the neurocycle is how do I listen to my signals? How do I learn to find them? And what are they? And what do they look like? And what are the behaviors that the signals are leading to? And what is the tree trunk, which is my perspective? And what are the roots? And we've all got millions of these in our life. So I'm talking about a lifestyle of renewing the mind. So what I've just described is renewing the mind, bringing all thoughts into captivity. And one thought is made of millions of hundreds or thousands or millions of memories. So when I tell a person to think of a thought and work on one thought at a time, it doesn't mean you're working on one. It's like there's just going to be one thing in your head. One thought could have a could have a million things attached to it. So one thought of, of trauma can bring back this experience, that experience. And before you know it, there's 50 or 100 or 200 thoughts going through your mind up and down that you've got to try and unpack and deal with. So it's kind of like there's the suitcase and there's all these clothes in the suitcase and you open the suitcase and you throw it all over the room that's kind of what we're talking about the suitcase is the tree the concept that's the trauma and then we're going to start unpacking the trauma which are all the branches the root which is the origin story and then the the tree branch the, the actual branches that you can see are the pre prelude to our behaviors and our emotions that we express does that make sense it's much easier to understand this when you see the analogies but if you visualize that forest it'll help you yeah um no that was so great as you were speaking i was thinking about how if I would put it in, in my terminology, I would say, you know, part of it is it's paying attention, like you talk about in the book, to um, our emotions, paying attention to our body. Because our body and our brain, like you say, it doesn't lie. It's going, these things are going to come up. But sometimes what we've heard along the way is um, maybe these, maybe these emotions are bad or wrong. I need to escape from these emotions. I need to stuff these emotions down instead of really paying attention and saying, 
what are these emotions trying to tell me? They're actually trying to help me. They're trying to tell me something. And so what Dr. Leaf is talking about here really is paying attention to all of those things, those signals as that top of the branches. And that's going to help us get down to the root, which is what we need to do to bring it back up to be able to heal. And so, you know, there are these lines that talk about how we can't heal what we don't acknowledge or we need to bring things out into the light. And that's very much what Dr. Leaf is talking about in this book where she talks about the various levels we have of thinking and consciousness and bringing things down uh, or really going to get things from that non-conscious level, bringing them up to the conscious level, kind of those aha moments where you go, oh, and and I've had that many times. That's where I do really think, you know, I t- one of our key verses in uh, Ready to Thrive is Romans 12 too, that talks about the renewing of our mind. And uh, one of the ways we actually do that, and Dr. Leaf talks about um, this in the book, is just giving our brain time to think and space to process. And you talk about how we we don't give ourselves much of that time these days, uh, that we we gather information, but we don't necessarily always process the information. Um, so I hope that's a, a fair example of of what you have been describing here. Um, so for somebody who is feeling like, um, okay, I've I've experienced um, trauma, so big T trauma. I love how you often talk about also dealing with our little T trauma, which we can talk about later. But somebody who's feeling like, yeah, there's there's something in my life, and this this can look differently for each person. But something in my life that really feels like I can't get over this or I am stuck. Um, is this something, are these five steps something that would help that person be able to kind of move through that? Like, what would you say to that person? Absolutely, yes. Because what we're talking about is, um, if I just can reorientate us again, your mind is always in action. So your mind never stops. So if you've got some trauma going on in your life, which we all have to a certain extent have gone through various different types of trauma, you can't avoid it. It's just being alive. You're going to have trauma. Just going through COVID is a trauma, for example, losing a loved one, having a financial issue, having a sickness in the family, politics, racism. Trauma is an an inevitable part of life, as is what what you as a human, how you're experiencing that trauma through your mind. So if you want to know what mind is, it's you experiencing life. So that means that you, if you know how to manage experiencing life, then you are knowing how to, ma- you, you can then apply that to managing trauma. So the neurocycle, which I teach about in the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and it's based on all these 40 years of nearly four decades of research and constant theor- theoretical development and clinical application. So this is pure, this is very, very scientific. And science is very spiritual. I have to say that the Bible tells the story, science tells us how the story works. You cannot separate them. So the whole discussion around science and spirituality being separate is people not thinking things through because you're basically saying to God that, okay, science is not of nonsense. Meanwhile, God is the, is the creator behind science because science is how it works. So if you use a cell phone, you are buying into science. If you don't buy into science, don't wear clothes, don't use a cell phone, don't, you know, that's how ridiculous people can get. So just wanted to say that and clear that out the way so science is if i don't say single scripture i am totally talking spirituality because i'm talking science and how it all works so you as you being a human that can actually think and feel and choose and bring thoughts into captivity renew your mind and think on these things and all the scriptures that we love to say just being able to read scripture is your mind everything is mind driven if you're dead you're not going to do that stuff okay so in other words 
this neurocycle teaches you how to do that well. It's teaching you how do you capture a thought? How do you renew your mind? So trauma is one of those thoughts in the forest that is the dark. If you go back to the forest analogy and you're flying over with your helicopter and you're shining a spotlight on a dark area in your life, that is the trauma. So how you fly the helicopter and shine and shine the light on that dark area, you're using your mind to do that. So remember, mind is three things. Mind is how you think, and when you think, you feel, and when you think and feel, you choose. Those three things always go together. You are always thinking, you are always thinking when you feel, uh, sorry, you always feel when you think, and you're always choosing when you think and feel. So mind is what you do 24-7. During the day, you think, feel, choose to build the thoughts into your brain, your body, and your mind, the three places. At nighttime, you're sorting out the thoughts that you built into your brain, your mind, and your body, and they're all connected. Okay, so your mind's always working. So when you do trauma work or when you do toxic habit work or when you go and do all inner child work and when you go and renew your mind, capture your thoughts, whatever language you use, what we're dealing with is the stuff that's making us get stuck. So we're having issues in our relationship or we're feeling anxiety and depression. doesn't mean you're ill. You don't need a disease to validate that. That anxiety and depression are signals or symptoms of an underlying cause. And what you need to do is listen to the anxiety and depression, embrace it, not be scared of it, embrace it. If you're scared of it, it'll cause brain damage. If you actually embrace it and process it to reconceptualize it, you then get control over that. And that's mind work. The choice to embrace, process, and reconceptualize, et cetera. So the neurocycle is how you do this. How do I fly my helicopter over the forest? How do I focus on the signals of, of anxiety and depression, which is shining the spotlight on that tree? How do I then land my helicopter and actually look at that tree and go from the, the, the signal that called me in in the first place to land my helicopter and the signals of anxiety or depression or anger or whatever, and, and I land my helicopter, now what do I do? As I land my helicopter, I've made the decision to embrace that and to actually process through this. So the neurocycle is helping us find it. It's helping us land the helicopter. It's helping us look at the branches, which are your behaviors and your emotions, which is helping us look at the tree trunk, which is your perspective, which is helping us to dig the roots out. And at first, you can't see the roots because they're covered with sand. So it takes time. It takes daily work. And you'll see in the book, when you work with trauma or toxic habits or even building a new habit, it's going to take time. And, and you, the time frame involved, I've done a lot of research on, and it takes you take 15 to 45 minutes daily over cycles of 21 days. The first cycles, you do five, the five steps of the neurocycle daily for 15 to 45 minutes. And so when I say land the helicopter and start finding the trees and all that analogy, I'm talking about the five steps to find the tree, land the helicopter, and now make the decision to analyze the tree and dig it up and find out what's going on and regrow a new healthy tree. That's the capturing of the thought, the renewing of the mind. That process of capturing thoughts and renewing the mind is the neurocycle. How do you renew your mind and capture thoughts? Through the neurocycle. So the neurocycle is a scientific way that you self-regulate how you capture a thought, which is thinking, feeling, and choosing. How you renew your mind, which is thinking, feeling, and choosing. And you've got to do it daily for 15 to 45 minutes over 21 days. The first 21 days, that isn't how you build a habit. That's only how you find the tree and get it out, find the roots, and start rebuilding the tree. Then at day 21, more or less, we see from neuroscientific research, and this is the work that I've done, is that you've now built a new tree. So you've got a new way of 
processing this. You've got to, it's your story. You're not going to eliminate your story, but you're going to make your story work for you. You're going to heal from the pain and start the process of moving forward. And that's incorporate that. That's reconceptualizing. So you're deciding how the past, either the past captures you and you stay stuck in the past and your life falls apart, or you take the past and do the work of processing to and the forgiveness and the seeing it differently. And very often, for example, people in sexual trauma will see themselves as shame and as guilty and as incapable of or undeserving of love and that kind of thing. So now when through this five-step process daily over 21 days, by day 21, you'll get to the point where you'll say, okay, I'm, I was feeling, I was feeling depressed and anxious. I'm still having bouts of feeling anxious and depressed, which is totally okay. But I now know why, and I now know how to manage it. I know now, I now know the reasons, and I know the truth is, and whatever it is, versus at day one, where you are just suppressing the anxiety and depression, and it's pervading your life and affecting everything. So you change, but then after, from day 22 to day 63, which is basically another six-week cycle, another six-week time period, or another two lots of three weeks, you then give that new thought that you've rebuilt in your brain, you've reordered your brain, you've rewired that in your brain and in your DNA and in your mind, it takes another 42 days more or less to get sufficient energy attached to those thoughts to be able to make them strong enough to impact your behavior so that you actually go into that relationship free from that sexual trauma so you can begin a new, new relationship, that it's now added quality to your relationship versus taking away from your relationship or whatever it may be, or you've, that toxic habit that was affecting. I just gave that as an example. I mean, it could be something like you're very competitive and everything you do is, and the competition is wiping you out because you everything is, is you can't do anything without comparing yourself to someone else. So it's affecting your ability to, now that's coming from something. So the warning signals, would be um, that there's this competition causing you tremendous anxiety and on, being on edge and, and anger maybe. So those would be your warning signals of emotion, the emotional warning signals that you need to shine the spotlight on. And so where are the emotional warning signals? You're flying over and you see, okay, there's anger and there's frustration and there's, comp there's a competition tree. So then you land your helicopter at the competition tree and you start, okay, I'm going to go through now, why am I experiencing this? This is something to do with competition, but it's making me really angry and frustrated. So now I need to do the six weeks of work, the 63, and the nine weeks of work, the 63 days. So you start there on day one and the five steps, you go work through the five steps and daily. And then, then you, by the time you get to 21 days, the, from day 22 to 63, you don't do all five steps. You just do the fifth step. And that fifth step takes you, honestly, you do it seven times a day. It can take you seven seconds, 10 seconds, one minute. You don't spend long, but that length of time turns that, um, stabilizes the protein bonds in the brain and stabilizes the energetic forces in the gravitational fields. And it stabilizes the DNA so that you can actually use that. So when you're in that situation, you're not, the sexual trauma is not invading your relationship. Um, the competition is not invading your relationships and invading your life. So you, you're not going to get to that level if you just do two days or four days or do it once. Or You've got to push through for at least nine weeks. It takes nine weeks to break a toxic habit. It takes nine weeks to build a new way of thinking. Um, and that's what we don't, no one's teaching us that. People think, oh, I've done, I've renewed my mind. I've prayed one prayer. I've used God as a genie. I've you know, thrown on the scriptures like a magic potion. And that's not working. Of course, it won't work. You have to do the hard work and, um, you know, of, of doing all of that. Um, it's a bit like Jesus getting in the garden, which is a great analogy. 
to, if you want to know about mental health and cleaning up your mental mess, we have a perfect analogy in Jesus going to the garden. And every time people think, okay, just that one message. No, there's a hugely profound message in that with mental health. You, you're a human and you are constantly in your mind. And we spend all, all the time in our mind. Our mind is behind everything. So we've got to manage our mental health. So what does Jesus demonstrate? It Embrace. When Jesus got in the garden, we see the model of Jesus not suppressing, not avoiding, not hiding, but actually facing and embracing. So walk, get, you've got to get into the garden to embrace. Embrace means I bring it into my fold. The only way out is through. It's going to be painful. We know that Jesus sweated blood. Now, that's an actual indication of science where when you get extremely traumatized or extremely stressed out, you can pop blood vessels just by the whole physiology that's happening in your neurophysiology and your automatic nervous system and it's all the stuff that, that I won't go into detail, but it's, it's very possible to sweat blood. So Jesus just showing in that story the, the connection between the way we use our mind our mind moves to our brain and our body, our brain and our body will respond and we will have physiological responses. So there's the mind-brain connection and it will get worse before it gets better. If you think of it, Jesus got worse and worse as the time approached of what Jesus had to do. And also um, that then Jesus got beaten and then Jesus got put on the cross. I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse. So the more you embrace and face, it gets worse, but then eventually the concept is reconceptualized on the cross, and then you do rise again with the wounds, but now there's a new level. You've entered into a new phase. You still have the wounds. It's still part of your makeup, but now it's been reconceptualized, and so you move forward with, with, the, with the story. And then when Jesus was in the garden, he turned to the disciples, didn't say, give me Prozac, give me opioids, get me out of here. He basically said, can you just be with me? which is the human connection, the support. And we're in an era where everyone's trying to fix everyone else and getting, you know, I, you cannot fix someone else. You cannot get in someone else's head. You cannot take their pain. You cannot try and force them to apply a, a scripture or apply a principle or apply. All you can do is support a person to be able to recognize that this is the ring that I bear. This is the cross that only I can bear. This is my unique situation, but we need each other in order to do that. So we've got to learn to support without trying to fix. And the coaching industry, and even honestly, it's really bad within the church. I'll pray for like kind of forcing prayer down people's throats and trying to force them to change. You cannot do that. It's not some magic potion that you're throwing on someone's head with words. You have to just support the person to get the courage to face that stuff and to dig those roots out and to go through the process and not to be scared of the upcoming pain. You know, when you're in the midst of that pain, that's when you need the hugs and the support and the, the, the physical contact and the, I'm here with you and I don't understand what you're going through, but I am here with you no matter what, you are not alone. You know, and that's what we see demonstrated there. And, and that's the only way out is through. And I showed in my research and I, and I talk about it in the first part of my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. I put my clinical trials in there and I show how when you embrace and process, it does get worse, um, but then it gets better. And you see all the changes in the brain. I showed in my research that when you do this mind work of the neurocycle, when you manage your mind, you will see changes in the brain, in the blood, in the DNA. So that's all the body stuff and in the mind. So that comes in your narrative and in the psychology stuff. So I looked at all those different levels. I looked at the three different levels, the mind, the brain, and the body, and showed with various different biomarkers and measurements how when we manage our mind we can and capture those thoughts, we can completely transform how we function. So I showed that you can actually learn to manage anxiety and depression and make it work for you by 81%. I mean, in, without medication, 
medication just makes it worse. It's not going to help you. It's going to numb you and, and create problems in your brain. But we, what we have to do is the hard work of mind management. And, and our mind is malleable. This is something we can teach. We can learn. It's a skill we develop. I'm learning it every day. If you listen to my podcast and read my books, you'll see I'm very authentic and honest. No one has got it all made. What is different is that I'm empowered through my work. And I've empowered millions now through my work to show them that there is this pathway to empowerment. That when you learn to self-regulate, when you recognize that you can stand back in that forest, that beautiful middle forest, you can step into your wired for love design, your made in God's image design, and you can think, feel, and choose in that mode to find the stuff on the outside of the forest that needs work. So you can use your mind to find the problems in your mind, the traumas, the toxic habits, the behavior patterns that we that are keeping us stuck, the people pleasing, the whatever, competition, stuck in grief, stuck in um, over catastrophizing, and all these things that we that we do, we can find those. You use your mind to fix your mind, to change your brain, to change your body. And it's an ongoing lifestyle. Like renewing of the mind isn't something that you do now and then. Bring all thoughts. We conveniently forget that. All thoughts means all the time we are supposed to be self-regulating how we think, feel, and choose and what we are and then catch ourselves as we've as we fall. So what I've learned to do, what my patients learn to do, and what people that are using the neurocycle are learning to do is that yes, I still feel depressed or or anxious at times, but that's okay. I embrace that because it's simply a message. It's not an illness. It's a message. And the message is telling me something is going on. So now I recognize that and I now know how to manage it. So I'm not just aware. I'm going, I'm going from awareness to beyond awareness, to the management, to the reconceptualization. So I get into that space of mental peace. So coming along with love is all the, and being human is, is, the, is the encapsulation of the, the good and the bad stuff, but understanding that the bad stuff grows us. In the messiness, we grow and repair, repair and grow. That was incredible. And I really love stuff. <laughs> no, but I really felt like there was this moment where I saw you get into your sweet spot and, um, and I trust that people can go back and re-listen to that. Um, what I want to highlight is what Dr. Leaf shared there is that this takes work. And I think one of the reasons um, that we can find ourselves stuck is we are actually looking for, um, you know, a quote unquote magic pill, whether it's actually a physical pill or just something to fix us. We're, we are hoping for um you know, whether it is, hey, I prayed this prayer. And and yes, some people can experience absolute healing in, in a moment. Um, and I, I think about it in this way for my husband and I who are uh, working on our, let's call it our financial mess. Um, and while it would be nice for us to buy a lottery ticket and um, win the lottery and say, here we go, it's probably going to look like we're budgeting and we are taking the steps necessary, the hard steps, the hard work, the hard steps necessary to say, hey, we are now in this better place financially. Um, it is the same thing here where, um, you know, we we can, Dr. Lee, what she was sharing is a lot of hope for wherever we find ourselves. We are not too far gone in our mental mess, uh, regardless of someone in our um, in our family history who has um, struggled with mental health or something that we've gone through that is traumatic 
or even um, possibly a label that we have worn or a diagnosis or something somebody has said to us, you are this, um, we can actually move past those things. There's hope. Like Dr. Lee said, our brain is malleable and that's every single person's brain. And so we all have the opportunity for our mind to be renewed, to be able to think clearly. Like Dr. Lee said, it doesn't mean that we won't still experience um, normal feelings of depression, anxiety, and those things. That's Those are all normal parts of life. It doesn't mean hard and bad things won't come our way, but we actually can, we can do something about it, but it does take work, right? Any big change we're going to make in our life. So again, the financial change, the um, health change, what we're, what we're eating and what, how we're moving our body, right? Those things all take work. And so what Dr. Leaf has done here is really say, you know, this isn't theory. She's done these um, gold standard tests. And in her book, it's a beautiful book with colored pages of examples of really the science and um, all of the research that's backing up what's going on here. And so my invitation to everybody listening is if you have felt stuck where you are, if you felt hopeless, if you felt like, you know what, I've tried, I've tried everything. I've tried you know, moving my body more. I've tried um, taking these pills. I've tried doing these things. And and all I feel is numb. All I feel is hopeless. Um, I know Dr. Leaf and I could go on for a long time to talk about why those things don't work. Um, but what I want to offer you is that um, there is actually hope for the renewing of your mind. And so I love all that Dr. Leaf shared here. Um, one of the things I would like to offer uh, for people as well is, uh, especially I think about the the moms who are listening who um, just could be feeling so overwhelmed um, and feeling like, I feel like I'm, I'm in a mental mess. Um, one of the challenges we can face sometimes as moms is that we don't often focus on things that we need to do uh, for our own healing. And so I would say when you are able to do this, that is going to have a ripple effect for your kids. So as you work on really cleaning up your own mental mess, it is worth investing the time. It's worth facing that pain to be able to get through to the other side. So I just love all that Dr. Leaf shared there. Can I just go for it? I think you were going to ask me a question there. What I wanted to stress, thank you for saying all of that. What I wanted to just really stress with people is that your mind is not your brain. Your mind and your brain are separate, but inseparable. So we are in, our mind is always working. So just if you, if think of it this way, if you're trying to change your exercise or your diet, that's all driven by your mind. In fact, how your digestive system digests food is driven by your mind. Everything is driven by your mind. And so your body and brain are separate from your mind and you control your mind and therefore you control your brain and your body. So you're doing it all the time. So whether you mothering, doing, making dinner, your mind is always active. And this is what I'm saying is neuroscientifically we see that we can actually control this on a conscious level every 10 seconds. We've got this huge non-conscious mind, but we've, which operates 24 seven, but we've got our conscious mind, which is only awake when we're awake. And it's our conscious mind that we are training to listen to the non-conscious mind. So when I talk about the neurocycle, I'm talking about a very conscious and deliberate um, 
using of mind techniques to manage your mind. So you're doing this anyway. These five steps, you may never have known this, but this is how your non-conscious mind works. This, these five steps are the science behind how your non-conscious mind actually works. And that is pushing through into your conscious mind. I'm just helping you to refine it. So the mind is malleable, as is the brain, as is the body. The brain is always changing because your mind is always changing. So if you turn, if you if your mind is always messy, that means your brain is always messy, which means your body is always messy, which means that you're you really going to battle with life so if you if you get your mind under control you get your brain and body under control which means you get things like diet exercise managing being a mom homeschooling managing through covid managing through financial all of that's mind driven mind is the source of all your thoughts so it starts with your mind and that's what i'm trying to teach you so in the book i have a whole section on brain building, which is there's a whole the second half of the book is very practical. And there's a whole section which is really applicable for for every human. And it's great for moms working from home as well. If you're homeschooling your kids and it's brain building. So it's how to learn. I spent many years training teachers, training homeschool parents that were homeschooling, thousands of, um, actually hundreds of thousands of people, done massive projects in the United States, massive projects throughout South Africa in education. And also, so and, so, and that's why I use the same five steps to teach people how to learn. And so that's in the book too. And then I have other books that really go into that in more depth to help the moms. But on the other side, brain building for you as a mom and you as a human is vital. Every human needs to brain build like you. If we're always using our mind, but brain building is a specific mind technique where you learn something new and you should spend at least an hour to two hours a day using your mind in this way because it builds resilience in the forest of your mind and it builds health into your DNA and it builds brain health. And it's basically using the five steps to learn new information. So that's the first half of the book. All my patients that came to see me and I work with traumatic brain injury, people with extreme um, traumas from war traumas, sexual traumas. I work with autism, tra um, people with chronic traumatic encephalopathy damage from sports, um, uh, Alzheimer's, learning disabilities. I work with a very wide range of people in all different socioeconomic strata political situations like the apartheid South Africa, the transition. So uh, the first thing I would do with every patient was brain building. I teach them the five steps to brain build because the point is let's make your mind and brain and body stronger and then we will use the stronger uh, mindset to then use the five steps to detox the trauma. So then you'll see the second part of the book I go into how to do the detox trauma and the different types, acute, big T and small T, and then how to do it to break down toxic habits and then how to build new good habits like in diet, exercise, communication, all those areas. And then I also have neurocycle life hacks. So they're in the moment stuff. So let's say that just for argument's sake, you and your husband maybe had a tiff or your kids drove you crazy just before this interview or something. And you had to gather yourself together to be able to do this interview. You can use a neurocycle hack you can use the five steps as a neurocycle life hack in in five seconds just to gather your thoughts and get you back on track again so it's really how do you self-regulate your mind how do you constantly live a lifestyle of renewing your mind and capturing all thoughts not just some thoughts the bible's clear all thoughts and renewing it's a continuous uh, it's conti it's a continuous presence so you you're constantly doing it so there we go. That's just my another five cents worth of mind, mind, mind. Your mind is malleable. You can train your mind at any age. We should start with young, as young as possible. 
Well, I think that's the final question I want to ask you really is how can we help our kids? Um, Because I know, especially like you've mentioned already, this is a really, really challenging season for everyone um, experiencing this global pandemic. And so how can parents help their kids who are feeling uh, like they are extra anxious or they are possibly even ruminating on a particular thought? Like, how would you help those kids? Well, I would immediately, um, that you can apply the neurocycle once you learn it for yourself and then teach it to your kids. And so what I have is, um, I have a lot of content for how to apply to kids. But the first thing is you've got to get yourself, it's the oxygen mask principle, put the oxygen on you, then you can put it on your kids. So you need to learn, get your hands on this book and learn the principles of neurocycling in all these different categories. And then you are will be able to help your kids. Now, if you pre-order the book, you can go, at cleaningupyourmentalmess.com, that website, which I'm sure you'll put the link in your show notes, and then register your pre-order. There's a bonus. One of the bonuses is a chapter for how to help kids with neurocycling. Now, I have got another book coming up, but it's in a, it'll take another few months before that book comes out. So that's why if you pre-order now, you can get the application, the chapter for how to help your kids with neurocycling. And there's also a three-week book club where it's an interactive book club where you can also learn how to neurocycle in different situations. And I answer people questions so there'll be a lot of practical and on the 27th of feb if this if you can edit this out if possible we've got a free neurocycle workshop where people are interacting with me as well so there's and there's a lot of other pre-order bonuses too so that's just does that answer your question um yeah no that is that is incredible i think that uh right now people are desperate for tools not only for themselves uh but also for their kids and so Um, That is my hope that for those of you listening, you've had a few of your own aha moments. Um, I have heard you, Dr. Leaf, talk about um, your app. Is that still something that people can access? Absolutely, because the the app is um, called Switch at the moment. It's been out for about a year, just over a year, and it's being updated. And it will be when when the book launches, the new version of the app will launch as well called NeuroCycle. So at the moment, it's called Switch, and you you can download it now. And as soon as it swaps over, it will automatically update you to the new version. Um, and that is great because you've got the audio-driven guideline on exactly how to do it. So the two work hand in hand. You know, the book's got the full descriptions and then you've got the audio in the app and there's the new app's got lots of videos and it's also got over 30 different neurocycle hacks for helping with those in the moment things as well. So I definitely recommend that you get the, you know, the two together and they really are inexpensive. I mean, if you think of it, therapy's hundreds of dollars and here you're paying like you know, it's not even, it's it's so little and you're getting science. You're not getting woo-woo stuff. You're not getting what people have heard and put together. And this is hardcore science that works, that has been proven scientifically to help you to manage anxiety and depression and learn and build your brain, you know, by these factors of 81%, which is huge. Well, I love it. I have been talking to everyone I see about your book. Thank you so much. I can't wait to share this with everybody. Dr. Leaf, where can people find you and where can they find your book? They can find me at drleaf.com. Um, and the book, they can they can go to cleaningupyourmentalmess.com and then it'll take you to the where you can order wherever books are sold. The book will be available wherever books are sold. And then my Instagram handle is Dr. Caroline Leaf. And there I put out little chunks of, of mind stuff every single day. And then there's the podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which is also very helpful. Same name as the book. And I will link to all of those things in the show notes. Dr. Leaf, thank you so much. I trust for everybody listening, this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? 
This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you are listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something. But when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.